living God, let the words that are spoken and the words that are heard be blessed by you, the living word. Amen. Christ is risen indeed. We celebrate this morning the great good news that Jesus Christ is risen, that death does not have the final word, that fear cannot overpower us. We celebrate. But we celebrate as those who have traveled through Lent. We celebrate as those who have walked the road of Holy Week. We celebrate as those who remember the crucifixion. Here in this church in the season of Lent, we have practiced the Christian spiritual discipline of confession. We have been willing to venture into the terrain of our vulnerability. Even if only a bit, we have entered the terrain of our vulnerability, admitting our imperfection. Each week in Lent, we were invited to consider some of the ways we miss the mark and to bring those things into a conversation with God through a prayer of confession. We enter this conversation called confession for the sake of honesty, healing, and wholeness. That is one meaning of confession, to name or admit what is not right. But the church uses another meaning of confession— Many churches use what are called confessions of faith. These confessions of faith are creeds or statements of belief. Some churches repeat a historic confession of faith together in worship. In this sense, confession means to assert our faith. This form of confession is what my sermon title alludes to this morning. We confess our faith that Christ is risen. We assert and proclaim that Jesus Christ is risen. And this confession of faith is at the center of our celebration today. We celebrate life and hope and new beginnings. But our celebration is not the sugar high of a birthday party. Our celebration is the celebration of a people who also know what it is to grieve. The story goes like this. It is early dawn, we are told. The women go to the tomb where Jesus has been laid. They take spices and ointments with them so they can anoint Jesus' body. The ones who Luke's gospel describes as men in dazzling clothes or who other gospels describe as an angel speak to the women at the tomb. They say, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? I have some thoughts about that question. The women at the tomb at dawn on that first Easter morning were not, in fact, looking for the living. At least they didn't think they were. They didn't know they were. They were there to grieve. They were there because someone they loved had died. They were there to do the loving and reverent thing of anointing the body of someone they loved. They were there because in the face of loss and pain, they did not run away. In the face of loss and pain, they did not avoid the reality. 
They were there because in the face of loss and pain, they had to do what their grief required of them. They were there not seeking the living, but were there to anoint a body. That was their intention, their purpose for the trip to the tomb that morning. But what they found was something else instead. The tomb was empty, and they heard the good news. He is not here, but has risen. He is not dead, but lives. It turns out that we find new life in the very places where we have seen death. It turns out that we find new life in the very places where we feel pain, in the places where we struggle. It is not easy to willingly enter the struggle. It is not easy to stay where it hurts. It is not easy, but it is a path to new life. This path leads to new life now, just as it did then. The good news of resurrection surprises us by showing up where we didn't expect it. But it's not easy to enter the struggle or to stay in the struggle. Many of you are already familiar with TED Talks. TED is a nonprofit which describes itself as bringing together the world's most fascinating thinkers and doers. In two annual conferences and now a proliferation of other events, TED gives these thinkers the opportunity to give a relatively brief talk. These talks are available online for us all to hear. Millions and millions of people have watched the TED Talks by Dr. Brene Brown, so I'm guessing that some of you are among those millions. Brene Brown is a research professor at the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work. Her first TED Talk is titled, The Power of Vulnerability. Dr. Brown began by studying human connection. As it turned out, looking at human connection led her to human vulnerability. She saw that many people struggle for a sense of worthiness. People who live with a feeling that they are somehow not good enough. And Dr. Brown discovered that these folks who struggle for a sense of worthiness feel an excruciating sense of vulnerability. That makes sense, right? That a painful feeling of our own vulnerability could be detrimental to our basic sense of security. But Dr. Brown found something else. In her research, she also saw many people who have a basic sense of worthiness. And she discovered that these people are also deeply in touch with their own vulnerability. But that these folks embrace their vulnerability. These people who have a basic sense of worthiness, people who Dr. Brown describes as wholehearted, these wholehearted people understood that vulnerability is necessary. These wholehearted people understood that the things that make us vulnerable are the, also, are the same things that make us humanly beautiful. She describes these folks from her research as having the courage to be imperfect, as experiencing connection born of authenticity and embracing their vulnerability. It is not easy to stay with ourselves in those places where we are most vulnerable. It is not easy 
but it is the path to wholehearted living. Brene Brown's research led her to these conclusions. Yes, vulnerability is at the core of a person's experience of shame and fear and the struggle to feel worthy. But vulnerability is also at the core, is the birthplace of love, courage, innovation, creativity, spontaneity, belonging, tenderness, and joy. It is our vulnerability that is the birthplace of love, courage, and joy. It is our vulnerability that allows us to live wholeheartedly. And it is in visiting the tomb that we learn the good news of the resurrection. It is by staying and spending that time with our pain and our grief that we move into hope and new life. The good news of resurrection surprises us by showing up where we don't expect it. We began the season of Lent, as we always do, with Ash Wednesday. I shared a poem by Jan Richardson that evening, and I want to share a piece of it again. On Ash Wednesday, we received the mark of ashes on our foreheads, with the reminder that in some metaphorical, cosmological sense, we come from dust, just as dusty as those ashes. We receive the mark of ashes on our foreheads with the reminder that at the end of our mortal lives, we will return to dust, just as dusty as those ashes. The poem I shared that evening begins by evoking the days when we might feel like dust. All those days you felt like dust, like dirt, as if all you had to do was turn your face toward the wind and be scattered to the four corners or swept away by the smallest breath as insubstantial. Have you ever had a day when you felt like dust? Or maybe it was a season of your life when you felt like dust? That is vulnerable. That is a pain we might not want to spend time with a pain we might want to avoid. All those days you felt like dust. And the poem continues. The poem asks us, we who know what it is to feel like dust, did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? Did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? And we do know what the Holy One can do with dust because we remember. We remember the ancient story how God took the dust of the ground and made us, made humans. How from mere dust, God breathed into us the breath of life. Something in us does not want to dwell on those days when we feel like dust. But remembering those days allows us to remember just what the Holy One can do with dust. Remembering our dustiness allows us to remember the breath of God breathing life into us again and again. The good news of resurrection surprises us by showing up where we don't expect it. 
This is the world we live in. A world where people die, even are crucified. A world where we grieve and hurt. A world where our vulnerability can feel excruciating. A world where some of us have days of feeling like little more than dust. This is the world we live in, and this is the world where God shows up. God shows up and enters into the depth of our pain and moves us through the pain and into new life. So when we celebrate, as we celebrate here today, when we celebrate, we celebrate as a people who know life's struggles. We celebrate as people who can say in the face of life's struggles, death does not have the final word. Fear cannot overpower us. Jesus Christ is risen. We know these places, this grief, this vulnerability, this feeling like dust. These are places we cannot avoid. But these are not places where we stay. Brene Brown describes vulnerability as the birthplace of creativity. It is a birthplace, not a dwelling place. Those dusty places we know are the birthplace of the new life God will breathe into us. They are not dwelling places. And that empty tomb, it is right for the women to visit. But they do not stay there. That empty tomb is not a dwelling place. It is the birthplace of new life. The good news of resurrection surprises us by showing up where we do not expect it. When we feel like dust, we remember what the Holy One can do with dust. When we feel our vulnerability, we discover that it is the birthplace of connection and courage and joy. When we go to the tombs of our many losses, we find that new life bursts forth. The women went to the tomb, and the news they heard is the news we proclaim in celebration today. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia and amen.